Hallelujah. Come on, one more time. Give the Lord praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes. Now, he was testifying, you know, that wasn't just a song. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles with you, uh, open them up to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. And I'm reading from the New International Version of the Bible. If you have a different version, it may read a little differently. In fact, it may even read a little differently than what you have on the screens here. But let's see what it says. Exodus chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Moses returned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you brought this trouble upon this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak your name, he has brought trouble upon this people, and you have not rescued your people at all. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that you would speak to our hearts, Father, that you would reveal your intent of these words, this story to us this morning, that you would have your way in our lives. I pray that we would respond to you, hear what you have to say, and that you would make a change in our lives. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you read this story from the very beginning, uh, you get a clearer picture of the challenges that Moses is facing here. So imagine, let me just kind of try and describe this for you. Imagine you praying for somebody. Somebody that you love uh, immensely, you love somebody deeply, uh, whether it's a friend or a family member, and, and, they're, and they're caught up in some life-controlling circumstance, some situation that they can't seem to get free from. And so you pray for them, you love them, and you're praying for them, and it's a very serious issue. Perhaps they don't even realize how serious the issue is, and so and maybe even, if you can imagine this, maybe they don't even care. Uh, but you care. Someone that you care about, someone you love, and you're praying for them, praying for them uh, to, to get them out of these circumstances, for God to deliver them. Maybe it's a health issue, whatever it may be, but you're praying for them. So imagine that. And imagine that it's almost like you're doing more for them than they tend to care about. They don't seem to respond much to any of your urging that perhaps the friends that you have or the circumstances that you're in, the things that you're involved with is not a good thing. Uh, you, you need to get out of that or get away from that or change directions in your life. And they don't care that much about it. They don't take your advice. And you're praying for them. Maybe it's for their salvation. You're praying for their marriage, perhaps, someone you love and care about, or deliverance from an addiction, whatever it, it may be. Uh, maybe a loved one who lost their love for God. They were once in love with God, and all of a sudden, because of negative experiences, they don't like God as much anymore. They don't go to church anymore. And, and perhaps you're praying for them, and they're backslidden. Their heart's grown cold, and, and you want to see them love God like they used to love God. It could be a strong disbelief, a, a disbelief in God, a disbelief that going to church is going to make a difference in their lives because of whatever experience. It could be a lifestyle. 
Whatever it may be, just imagine if you can, someone that you're praying for like that. Someone who is caught up in a group of friends and they're making bad decisions because of it. Their friends are influencing them, bad behavior, bad life choices. Friends that are just no good for them. And without you micromanaging all in their lives, you know, following them every day, you're not showing up and, and you know, uh, trying to intervene in their lives without interrupting them. Imagine if you do all that you can for their deliverance by going to God and talking to God about those that you love. That you go to God and you're praying for them all the time. You're praying with passion. You're praying with an intense passion. Uh, like we heard on Wednesday night, you're praying fervently for those you love. And then not only do you go to God, but you pray against that life-controlling circumstance, whatever it may be. If, it, if, it's, if it's alcoholism, in your prayer, you're calling out to God and you're saying, God, I bind this thing in the name of Jesus, whatever it may be. It's like you take hold of that thing and you begin to rip it apart. You begin to, uh, to uh, drain the power that that thing has over the loved one that you have. You have a loved one that is controlled and you're, and you're confronting those powers. Imagine that. You're confronting these powers with everything you have. Those things that entrap them. Those things that enslave them. And so everything you do in your power, you pray against it. You confront it. And you challenge it to see the loved one that you care so much about set free. Well, this story, this story that we're reading here this morning reveals what it's like when someone fights for the deliverance of others. But those that they fight for don't seem to care one way or another what happens. It's like, it's like if you can imagine, like a parent praying for a child or, or a believer, a good friend of someone else, praying for a friend or a family member. And out of everything you do to reach them, things just seem to get worse in their lives. The addiction doesn't go away, it gets worse. The, the problems don't go away, they get worse. They grow more and more hostile towards God. They grow more and more hostile in their marriage. You, you pray for a reunion between those you care about, they've separated, and all of a sudden, in, as you're in the heat of the warfare of, of trying to pray that, that things are resolved, that couple just kind of seems to drift further and further apart. Those that you care about, it just seems to be a losing battle. It's not working. Their condition worsens. Those you, for, for healing, whatever it may be, strife in the relationship, they grow more distant, less trusting. And it appears as if all of your efforts to reach them kind of backfire on you. It doesn't work. God, what's going on? Here in this story, this is exactly what's happening. Moses was called by God to deliver Israel from slavery in Egypt. Egypt had enslaved an entire nation. And so God called Moses and, and he says, Moses, this is your purpose for me. I, I'm calling you and I'm giving you a purpose, a calling, a, a, a reason to exist. I am, I'm gonna define your future. This is what I want you to do. I want you to go and confront the king of Egypt, Pharaoh himself, confront 
Pharaoh and, and, and tell him that this is my will for my people. And, and so he confronts the king of Egypt. Moses does. He follows God's advice. And he goes to the king of Egypt, the very power that controls the fate of Israel, the very power, the one who is enslaving the people he cares about. He confronts him. And he faithfully delivers God's message to Pharaoh. Let my people go. It was as simple as that. He goes up to him. I don't know how it may have looked, a huge palace. And he walks into the palace. I have a message for Pharaoh. Oh, who is it from? Well, it's from the, a, a different king. Right? The king of all kings. Oh, okay, come on in, right? And he just walks up to, to, to this guy. At, you know, remember, he's at, for, for this, at this point in, in Moses' life, he had been a shepherd for 40 years. He probably came in looking like a shepherd. He wasn't dressed in palace clothes. And he walks up to the king and he says, Let my people go. This is a message from God. He wants his people to worship him. Let my people go. This is God's command to the slave master. This is God's command to the one who enslaves those that you love. Let my people go. This is God's command to the addiction, to the disbelief, to a whole life of bad experiences that make you kind of cold towards God. Let go. God is speaking to that bondage to let my people go. But the king of Egypt, the king of slavery, responds to Moses, and this is what he says. Who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? Who is the Lord? Who is this you're talking about? He goes on and says, I don't know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. And this is how the king of slavery responds. This is how the king of addiction responds when we pray. The king of violence, the king of separation and divorce, the king of, of uh, lust, the king of addiction. This is how he responds when we confront him. And on that same day, the same day, he confronts Pharaoh to ask for the deliverance of God's people Pharaoh gave the order to the slave drivers to make life harder for them. Not only are they not going to let you go, he says this, you are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw, but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. And that is why they're crying out, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Make the work harder. Make the work harder. In other words, Pharaoh made them work twice as hard with half as much. They were beaten. The days grew longer for them. And the very condition that you tried to, to confront in the first place, the very condition that Moses tried to confront to alleviate the suffering of his people got worse. It got worse. Nothing got better. Things got worse. And so here in verse 22 and 23, with that as the background, this is what it says. Moses came back to the Lord and so said, Lord, why have you brought trouble upon this people? 
Is this why you have sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble upon these people, and you have not rescued your people at all. I wonder how many of us have made that prayer to God. God, I love my son, or I love my daughter, I love my cousin, my friend, I love my family, and I've been praying for their deliverance. I've been praying that things get better. I've been praying for health and wellness. I've been praying that they uh, cut ties with the bad influences, that they are delivered from these circumstances. But ever since I started praying, things haven't gotten any better. Things have gotten worse. God, God, what's going on? Somehow it seems as though things are worse and you have not rescued the one you love at all. Can you imagine that? God, what happened? I did everything you asked me to do. Moses, I'm sure, could have said that. I've done everything you asked me to do. But rather than things getting better, things got worse. He probably felt deceived and duped for him to respond to God this way. As if, as if God had no idea what's happening in that situation. But what we see here in this story is exactly what we see right here in Inglewood. What we see in my life and in your life, for those that we pray for, and, and rather than seeing uh, uh, the, the heaviness being lifted, for some people, life has gotten worse. Things have gotten worse. The reports from the doctor are worse. The, the testimony of, of those around them, it's, it's worse. They haven't seemed to make progress. They seem to be getting farther and farther, deeper and deeper in the circumstances they were caught up in the first place because the king of their addiction or the king of that violence or the lust or the, the, the division says, I will not let them go. I will not let them go. And the very same day makes things worse for them. And just like Moses, sometimes we can't understand the direction of God's plan. God, what are you doing here? What are you doing? I've done everything you've asked me to do and I'm praying for them. And although God warned them ahead of time, don't expect that it's going to be easy right away. God let them know. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 19, it says, But I know that, the, this is the Lord speaking. He says, But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels them, unless I intervene, unless I break the stronghold that holds the one you love, unless I break the grip of the enemy. He's not going to let them go. They don't come free easily. So Moses should have known that it would be a struggle. And even if he wins the battle, even if he goes to Pharaoh and wins the battle face to face and he commands Pharaoh to do what God says to do, and, and, and even if Pharaoh agrees, what good does it do for Moses that if he convinces him to release the people if the people don't want to leave the addiction, if the people don't want to leave that old group of friends, if they don't want to leave that lifestyle. What if you win the battle of Pharaoh, but not win the battle of the hearts of those you love? That's what's happening here. This is a power encounter, an encounter between two powers, a spiritual confrontation, confrontation between Moses and Pharaoh. One representing God 
and the other representing the devil himself. One is fighting for the deliverance of the oppressed, doing what God loves to do, set captives free. You're right, uh, releasing them, one representing God and the other representing the devil. One wants to release the cat while the other is doing everything possible to degrade, to dehumanize, to make everything as, 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 uh, as burdensome as possible. I want to, to, to demoralize these people. I want to remove any sense of value and purpose and he tries to enslave them, not just to enslave them, but to burden them with this heavy guilt and this, this idea that, man, we'll never escape this captivity. That is the plan of the enemy. It's a battle over control, a battle over the destiny of those who are still under the control of Satan. It's not that the people are bad. It's the, the taskmaster. It's the king of Egypt a battle between two powerful representatives. And if you win the battle against Pharaoh, you got, you, you got to assume that the people want to go free. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they want to stay right where they are. So even if Moses defeats the king of Egypt, what good is his victory if the children of Egypt or the children of Israel don't want to leave? What if they fail to discern God's call? It's time to leave. It's time to get up out of this place, man. It's time to leave this place of bondage. You've been here for 430 years. 430 years of captivity. 430 years of enslavement. They didn't know what a, a, a better life looks like. After 430 years, they became so ingrained in their, in their minds, in their lives, that they didn't know what a better life was like. And when you think about it, isn't this the reality we see today? Isn't this true today? People who go from one bad relationship to the next, not knowing what a good relationship looks like, when it comes time for, for God to set the captive free, they don't wanna go, they don't wanna leave. They're stuck under the influence of an evil king. This is what we're facing today. So God made life in Egypt harder. God made life in Egypt harder. God made life in Egypt harder, more miserable, more work, more obstacles, and less to show for it. Pharaoh thought it was his idea. Moses thought it was Pharaoh's idea. And everybody involved thought it was Pharaoh's idea. But when Pharaoh, even if he's willing to release them or not, if the people aren't willing to go, God has to raise the level of discontent, that sense that, man, I'm not happy here anymore. This doesn't fulfill me anymore. This doesn't thrill me anymore. I don't get the, 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 the high I used to get. I don't, I don't find the fulfillment in this place anymore. God has to make it a miserable existence in order for them to be willing to get up and leave. Pharaoh had no idea the amount of misery he was inflicting on Israel, nor does he care. Even today, the representative of darkness does not care. He's reckless. He doesn't care. He's destructive. It might cost people their lives. He doesn't care. 
So sometimes God has to raise a level of discontent. Sometimes God has to increase the pain for those that are caught in slavery to say, hey, you know what? I don't like it here anymore. I don't like this pain. He has to increase the, the, the discomfort to make life in Egypt so unbearable that even those who have become used to it now want to be set free, want anything possible to, be get, to get out of this place ready to leave. Discernment doesn't always come easy. To feel and to know God has called me to more than this, it doesn't always come easy. You can fight the powers that hold people captive, but until God raises that level of discontent, sometimes people are just comfortable. And so one of the quickest ways God uses to get our attention is to disrupt our lives, to make life miserable, hard, difficult, Man, like bricks without straw. Can you imagine that? They're building Egypt. You're building Egypt out in that hot Egyptian sun, in that hot Egyptian desert. And the bricks with straw are stronger. You know, they, the, the, the things that they build won't crumble and, and, and collapse. And, and they have a, 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 you know, a, a, a plan to stick by, an agenda, a quota of, of so many bricks to, to, to make. And and if the bricks are crumbling, they have to work tri twice as hard. They have to go out and find their own straw. They have to work harder. Uh, uh, the days become longer for them. Life becomes more and more miserable for them. And they're doing all they can to try and keep pace with the way things used to be. But it doesn't work. There's not enough money. There, there's, there's not enough patience in the relationship. There's arguments all the time. Car breaks down. Everything seems to go against us. God, what are you doing? I was praying for them. I'm praying for their deliverance, but things are getting worse. Now they really don't want to come to church, come to Bible study. Oh, Harvest Festival, no way, right? Hello. Discernment doesn't always come easy. And so God has to bring disruption. He, he isn't being mean or insensitive. I think it's God's loving way of waking us up sometimes. Sometimes we simply need to slow down and focus on God. And sometimes the only way to, for God to stop us is to touch us in a way that causes us to stop. And sometimes the only way that that happens is through uncomfortable situations, painful situations. This is what God's plan was when Nimrod, who was supposed to be the leader of the world at the time, decided, hey, instead of us doing what God told us to do, he just told us to fill the earth and multiply what Nimrod says, hey, hey, no, let's, let's build a tower to heaven. Let's build this tower. We'll build a tower and, and we'll make a name for ourselves. And he ordered all the people to begin building this tower. That wasn't God's plan. And so God disrupts the plan. God brings some unseen, unforeseen issue that, that causes the work to stop. It wasn't God's work in the first place. So I'll stop the work by confusing the language. And when the language was confused, everyone had to stop what they were doing. That's the only way they could have fulfilled God's purpose. The same thing happened to the early church in Jerusalem. Jesus told the disciples, Hey, my plan for you is to go into all the world, be my witnesses, not just in Jerusalem, but in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And they had become just a Jerusalem Bible study. That's not my plan for you. And so he brought persecution. Persecution 
Not God. Yes, he allowed persecution to break out. And when people started getting persecuted for their faith, oh, they began to go into Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Sometimes the only way to mobilize people is for persecution to happen. You know, not to mention so many others where crisis have ha has happened, right? You know, they were scattered throughout the, the regions to fulfill the, the plan that Jesus had in the first place, you know, because of this. And, and you think about others. Paul lost his sight for a few days. Not because God is mean, but he had to stop him. He had to stop him in his destructive ways. Jonah was swallowed by a fish. Can you imagine that? Cars may break down. Jobs may be lost. Health and wellness on the brink of who knows what. Crisis, crisis. And it may not be the king of Egypt. It may seem like it's the king of, it may not be the king of, of, of Egypt. With God, there are no accidents. There are no accidents. There are things that God allows or sends into our lives to make us stop and listen to him. To make us sense that maybe this is not where I need to be. Maybe God is calling me to something more, something different. Maybe I need to change some things in my life. Maybe I need to take inventory. Maybe I need to search myself. What am I doing? What am I doing wasting my time spinning my wheels? God has something more for me. So it's possible that those that we pray for are so entrenched in their condition, their situation, that it's going to take negative preparation for God to call them out. That it may take misery. Not that you bring that. No, don't, don't you start bringing misery and, and despair. You know, you pray for them. You confront Pharaoh on their behalf. And you let God raise the level of discontent. Misery and despair comes from God, not from us. Amen. Confront the darkness. Fight. I love to see how Moses was faithful to the plan of God. When God can't seem to get our attention somehow through a, a sense of direction, through a word, uh, through, uh, you know, uh, even dreams, however it may come, when he can't get our, uh, our attention, sometimes he has to use discomfort and make us wonder, make us begin to search ourselves. It's only when we're discontent with the way things are that we're willing to move. I wonder where you are this morning. Don't stop praying for your loved ones. Don't stop believing God for that impossible situation, as impossible as it may seem. Don't stop praying for them. Confront the power that holds your loved one in captivity. Confront the power. Bring it down. Pray. Intercede for them. Fight on your knees and allow God to raise the level of discontent in their lives so that when you have captured the stronghold in prayer, in intercession. It's God who captures the power, but you have led, you have prayed and you have, have raised a, a, that battle cry and you have fought that fight and, and you have broken those chains of bondage through prayer and intercession. Then that loved one, those individuals you care about, those that are not willing to come out of Egypt, that God raises that sense of discomfort enough that they'll be willing to leave. This has been my prayer for 
oh man, I don't know how long, I prayed for people that, that don't seem to want to end their love for addiction or, or whatever it may be, that God caused that addiction to lose the, 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 you know, the, the, the fulfillment, the joy, cause whatever they're into just to become empty, to lose its emptiness, create a circumstance that caused them to look to you. You know, and, and that's not something I create or you create. We get in trouble trying to create those things for people. It's not something we're to create. We're to do what Moses did. Talk to God about it and confront the power and let God do the rest. Don't stop praying for your loved ones. Don't stop believing God for those impossible situations. Confront the power that holds your loved ones captive and allow God to be God in their lives. Is God calling you, trying to get your attention? Is God knocking on the door of your heart? Sometimes, sometimes it takes crisis for us to be willing to come to the door to answer. Amen. Will you stand with me this morning? And I encourage you to read this story from the beginning of its chapter all the way through to the end. But Moses returned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you brought trouble upon these people? Is this why you have sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble upon this people, and you have not rescued your people at all. Father God, Lord, I thank you that we know that Moses had an incorrect understanding of what was happening here, that you are the deliverer of your people, that you're able to deliver completely those who look to you. And so I pray this morning, Father God, what you're revealing about yourself here in these words, that you would help us to understand who you are today in our city, today for those that we love and that we pray for, those who may not discern that you've called them to something more, those that may not recognize that you desire peace for them, prosperity, tranquility, wellness, that you've called us, my God, to something better than the challenges that we face. And oftentimes, Lord God, help us to understand that, that oftentimes things get worse before they get better. But you don't harm those that you deliver. You deliver completely those who look to you, Lord. And so I pray, Father God, for those of us who stand in the gap for others, for the strength to fight, the compassion Lord God, the insight, a willingness to intercede, to fight on their knees, to engage in warfare, to call down those things as though they are not, Lord. I pray, Father God, for power, for strength, my God. I pray for an increase in compassion. I pray for our loved ones that are lost, Lord, that are, that are right now, that are in captivity, Father God, for the release of the captives, Father. I pray for those that have been demoralized, Lord, dehumanized, Father God. Those that have been marginalized, Lord, that you would set them free today, my God. 
I pray, Father God, Lord God, even if Pharaoh is not willing to let them go, Father, even if Pharaoh is not willing to let them go, I pray that you would raise the level of discontent, make them aware, Father, that there is something better for their lives, Lord God, and that you control the destiny of those, my God, that are longing for more. This is my prayer for Inglewood, for our church, for our city, for our world, Lord God, for those that are struggling. I pray for parents that, not, that do not give up for their children, leaders that do not give up for people. This morning, Father God, I pray, bless your people with that kind of spiritual stamina to fight. This I pray in Jesus' name, amen. And this morning, with our heads still bowed and our eyes still closed, if, if the Lord has called you specifically, he's called you to more, and you realize there's something God has called me to do, and, 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 I'm, not, and I'm not at the place. Perhaps it's because you, 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 you haven't come to him in a way where your sins have been forgiven, and that you have a right relationship with God, if that's you this morning, I'd like to pray for you because God can lift the burden. God can forgive sins this morning. And so I'm gonna pray for you and I, and I want you to simply pray this prayer with me. Dear God, this morning I come to confess to you, to no one but you, that I have made mistakes in my life but today I want to come clean. Wash me with the blood of your son, Jesus. Make me new in my heart and mind. Deliver me from the bondage of the enemy that I might be free and serve Jesus all the days of my life. I believe that he died for me and I receive him as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Give the Lord praise this morning. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, God. If you said that prayer this morning, and you've accepted Christ in your life, He will lift the burdens. He'll lift the burdens. Even the world will look different to you. Amen. But if God has spoken to you, why don't you come? Come to the altar, find a place of prayer. Come and talk to God, the deliverer. God, the deliverer. God, the one who calls captives out of captivity. Talk to the one who is able to reach your family members, able to reach your loved ones, able to make them see, to look up and to see that there is hope. Pray to the one, come, meet him, talk to him this morning. The one that has called you to intercede, to fight for your family, to believe in the face of doubt, to believe, to stand your ground. Talk to him this morning. He loves you. He loves you this morning.